Play the fucking intro. This is Dustin. And this is Eric. And this is SLC Punkcast. Thank you for joining us for episode 300. This is Punkcast. <laughs> now that I got that out of the way, yes, the big 300. We're excited to have uh, done this for as long as we have, as many episodes as we have. And wouldn't you know it, we still have not repeated well as many songs. Very few. Yeah, very, very few. The majority of the stuff that's been repeated, Eric had planned for on the show. I played them for him when he had his accident. Mm-hmm. And so that's the majority of everything that has been repeated on this show. Pretty much. Is when he actually had an opportunity to play and talk about it himself. Yes, true. And a couple of times where I repeated a certain amount of songs when I had... Yeah, I had no idea. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I guess I actually did talk about this song or this album or whatever. Sometimes I would uh, do a repetition of albums, but I would choose different songs. <laughs> right, and you've picked a couple songs that either Chris or I played prior to you joining the show, but you bring a different perspective to the song and have different mm-hmm. things to say, so... Now that we got all that out of the way, there's been very few uh, repeats of songs. Yep. And uh, And they were for good reason. (laughs) Yes, in the uh, near three years or four years. It's been almost four years. Yeah. Four years this July in my four-year tenure as a co-host of this project. Yeah, there's not been a lot of repetition. I can count on one hand the amount of songs slash albums I have repeated. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty good. The podcast will turn six in May. Er- Eric's at that point will have done nearly four years. Chris did just over two years, and at this point we are 404 episodes in of SLC Punkcast. I suspect what is that like four months? Another 23. So we'll probably be safe to say around like 320. We'll be in that 400 and 30-some-odd episodes range when we're hit six years, and that'll be worth celebrating. Yeah, <laughs> that will be awesome. Yes. Celebrate episode 420. <laughs> It'll <laughs> be around that time. Yep, episode episode 420. We just play, like, the entirety of Dope Smoker <laughs> just to fuck with everybody. It's like, it's a oh, an hour-long episode? I wonder what these guys will be talking about. They probably won't be talking that much. It is nothing. It's just dope smoker. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, gotcha. (laughs) Well, now that we got all the fun stuff about being 300 out of the way, or this being episode 300, uh, let's get into the show. This show. 300 episodes old. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We have a fantastic interview, and it'll be the first time we do this. It's going to be a two-part interview, and I think it's fantastic because the band released a double LP. Hey. Right? (laughs) Well, wouldn't you know it? That actually uh, is very fitting, given, it the, is. given the circumstances. So, City Saints, uh, Stefan and Gabriel will be joining us later in the show to talk the first part about uh, Punk and Roll. We played it a couple episodes back just because I liked it. It's a great cover-to-cover album. It'll be on my list of top albums of 2023. Hard not to. I mean, there's like 24 songs. 
Nobody else was giving me a body of work like that to come across, and I, <laughs> and I enjoyed it. But that interview will be coming up. Uh, we have an interview uh, coming up on the next episode. So in between those two interviews, interview that Eric and I did, Brody of Cuffs. So uh, spoiler alert, that's coming up on next week's episode. Yeah. And that was a great, great interview. It was. Yeah. And me and uh, yeah, me and Brody, we had our little fan moment over the album uh, Great Britain by Gallows. Absolutely. It's like, yes, another person who sees the genius in that album. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's something to look forward to on next week's episode. And then in two weeks, you'll get part two of the City Saints interview uh, as the the, the second part of that will come out at that point. Let's get over the new song stuff that we usually do. We're already a little behind as far as that goes. So I'm going to start on January 14th. Ned Tour, they released Bite EP. Detrition released several singles. I think there's going to be five total. No, five are out now over on Little Willie on different release dates. Detrition released Not Going Back on the 15th. President Routine released Le Integral on Canal Hysterique. On the 15th, Hollow Point, and that's actually a really cool album. I'm looking forward to checking more of that out. Hollow Point released Demo 2023 EP on Slow Death Records. Stalingrad 42 released Skins and Punks on Tough Ain't Enough Records on the 16th. Kill Ratio released Les Pool, which is a single on Still Ill there out of the Philippines or Malaysia. It's one of those two, but over there. Uh, that was on the 17th. Detrition released another single called When You Fall over on Little Willie. Oil released Unify Unity EP on Crossbar Records on the 18th. Deadlow released Not For Sale EP on Audio Epidemic Records on the 20th. Kepi Gooley released Full Moon Forever on Pirates Press Records on the 20th. Havoc released Our Rebellion Continues. I've been able to hear that once through. Definitely want to hear it a few more times. I enjoyed that one. The Darts released Intersex Single on the 20th. And by the way, Havoc, I mean, that's their first new stuff in... I don't know how many years, like 20 years or something like that. Long time. Uh, new, new full length, not new stuff, but new full length. Uh, on the 20th, Detrition released Never Forget, which is a single as well. Threer released I No Longer Wish to Try, which is a single on the 20th. Two Minute Minor released Attitude. That was a single, but it's a live version of that cover single. Uh, live at Liars Club, they recorded that back in November, but that was released on the 20th. Live by the Sword released a new single called Voyage to Constantinople. That LP is coming soon on Rebellion Records, but that's the first single from it. Slovensky Punk Rock Portal released a compilation called Punk Rock Val 22. Uh, a lot of cool stuff there from like Eastern Europe, uh, and that was on the 21st. Monte Grande released Distancia EP on Activar Haslo Tumis. Mismigs. And on that same label, they released Distante, uh, releasing Cara Acion Cuente on the 22nd. Sworn released a four-song album promo on Sam Strong Records on the 22nd. Crossfade releasing uh, Built from the Wreckage on Melodic Punk Style on the 23rd. No Edge Records releasing a new compilation called This Is Punk, Compilation Volume 2 on the 23rd. Mark Murphy and the Meds releasing Monochrome on the 23rd. Pain, that's P-A-I-N, and I'm spelling it out as an acronym, released The Lost Demos on RotaryVinyl.com. And Rubella Ballet released Rich With Money on RotaryVinyl.com. 
one of those, I think it's the Rubella Ballet's official release date is out in May, but the digital is over on rotaryvinyl.com's Bandcamp page. The hard copy, the vinyl, you'll get in May. Spark of Life released uh, Song of Hope featuring Fred Armisen, which is a single, and that was on New Age Records. That was on the 24th. Fake News releasing Nothing Town, single on the 26th. Fighting for Scraps releasing 1924 on the 27th. Absolved releasing their EP at the close on the 27th. We played something new off of that last week, and they have another single they've already released, so there's at least two tracks you can hear if you want to go back and listen to our last episode and listen to the pre-release single. On the 27th, Barabbas du Fortapade released Discussions on Existentialism, which is an EP on Pasaderic uh, Pat's Records. And the last three I have are all on the 23rd. Uber U releasing Silver Lining. Ruskaja releasing Turbo Polka Party on Napalm Records. And The Hanging Judge releasing self-titled Hanging Judge, which you'll be able to find on Lake Town Records, Sunny Bastards Records, and Liberty or Death Records here in the States. Uh, the Ponds, Social Decline, Hunting Lions, and Seeing Snakes all have something releasing that could be released in that window. Not exactly sure of the date. <laughs> Eric, what do you have to add to the list? Well, on the uh, 13th of January, I have Obituary. They released Dying of Everything. I've given that album a listen once. And it is good. It is Obituary, my favorite death metal band from the 90s. Well, they started in the 80s, but 80s, 90s, that was the, the death metal heyday. So, yeah, I'll have to uh, listen to that again, see if there is uh, something that stands out that is worth playing on this podcast. That's why it's on this list. Anyway, the uh, 16th, Yes, the Baboon Show with God Bless You All. We already went over that last episode. Uh, Total Serial from Salt Lake me- released uh, Memes and Hentai uh, on the 16th. Uh, primitive man and full of hell. Now, for the past few episodes, I may have been, uh, I may have been misleading you. This is a uh, saying that they released a split album, which is called uh, where did I have it? Suffocating Hallucination. That whole split is not released yet. On the 16th, they released the single Rubble Home. So the whole split is going to be coming out March 3rd. Awesome. So now that I've verified that. Let's go on to the 19th. Judiciary released their single Engulfed, and that's slated to come out in their album, also coming out in March, which is Flesh Plus Blood. That'll be coming out the 10th. Um, On the 20th, yes, Two Minute Minor and Three-Year with their little singles. And the 24th, yeah, I discovered this one today, because today, as of recording, is the 24th, Spark of Life, the Song of Hope. And the funny thing is, Fred Armazon, we all know him as being a uh, comedian. He's a regular on Saturday Night Live, has been for the last fucking decade, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, and he's uh, he's a great comedian, great actor, and he's also a great drummer. He actually has a band, which I may or may have not played on this show at one time, but it was a band back in the 90s. It was sort of weird, experimental alt-rock band called Trench Mouth, and they are really good. Cool. Yeah, they're pretty, uh, they're interesting. And yeah, Fred Armazon was uh, drumming in that. He's actually pretty well well equipped with the history of uh, punk rock. He actually teaches drum seminars on like the different styles. <laughs> that uh, that correlate to punk music. Awesome. So yeah, he's pretty active in the in the music field. Pretty awesome. Uh, on the twenty seventh, another compilation that I'm sure I'll have to uh, uh, delve into. 
I know I'm going to delve into it, but <laughs> I'll probably be uh, pulling a few tracks from there to talk about on the show, like we will be doing this one. Uh, but this one is Flat Spot Records, The Extermination, which is volume four. And that'll include a, a myriad of different, uh, a myriad of representatives from different sections of punk and hardcore. That includes Speed, The Chisel, Buggin', Section Hate, Raw Brigade, End It, Spy, Jai Bomb, Law of Power, Mutually Assured Destruction, and Choice to Make. So yeah, I'm pretty excited for that one. That's, cool. that's going to be a banger of multiple, on multiple levels. And of course, the 27th, Absolved at the Close. You heard some of it last episode. Or was it two episodes ago? I think it was last episode. Yeah, I think it was. I played the uh, Thrill House song. Right. <laughs> and yeah, you can hear the other three if you're not part of the Salt Lake scene on the 27th. Those of you who are in the Salt Lake scene, you have an in. You got the, <laughs> <laughs> you got the, fr- you got the first licks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's a great EP. It's fucking awesome. Uh, so yeah, that's all I have for the rest of uh, January. Everything else is coming out in February. And it looks like February is going to be a pretty, uh, pretty decent month so far, right. at least uh, with the, the two releases I have listed. But that will be most likely next week. We'll be talking about that. This awesome. week. <laughs> this week we have a compilation to talk about. Yes, the uh, aforementioned Punk and Ska Liberty or Death Records Volume 3. And yeah, yeah there were 38 songs on there. Uh, yes, because there's a bonus track. Yep, there is a bonus track from one, the one and only Italian Blood. And that's a, uh, yeah, that was their Silent Night, holy shit, Christmas, right? bonus Christmas track. It's like, you're a little late to the Christmas party, or depending on your perspective, a little early. A little early indeed. <laughs> a little early, because, you know, you're about a month early, because March is when we start thinking about Christmas. Yeah, because March is probably when uh, they're going. All artists are going in to write and record their Christmas anthems of or their Christmas covers, just in time for the holiday season. Right. Yeah, that's Christmas in July for you. <laughs> but anyway, there were a lot of standouts on this one. I had to limit my findings to just two, but some I really wanted. Me to, too. Yeah. Eh, two. <laughs> but some of which I wanted to uh, point out. Um, are going to be as follows. Best of the Worst with her song Counterfeit Smiles. Oh, man, I thought Ska Core was dead, but no, it certainly is back. And oh, God, that was a bludgeoning <laughs> just track right there. And just right smack in the middle, it just goes to these nice little pop-punk vocals. I'm like, oh, man, this is like a, <laughs> this is like a beat-down version <laughs> of Flatliners. This is pretty interesting. Uh, yes, yeah, Sociophilia from No Redeeming Social Value. It had some nice thrashy slamming riffs in the chorus, kind of a, kind of a nice little headbanger, headbanger break from just the thrashing circle pit inducing uh, verse. Right. And also, I just love the, uh, I love the lyrics. It's like we're afraid to be ourselves in public, <laughs> so we use an online, the online versions of ourselves as an escape. <laughs> And the uncouth had the little catchy ring the bell. <laughs> I right. loved that one. Broken Cuffs Quarantine. Loved the lyrics on that one. Uh, just being in lockdown and just like finding different hobbies, trying to find things to do to keep you busy, lest you get cabin fever or just go insane in general. <laughs> Me, I didn't have to worry about that. 
Okay, yeah, I did, but I wasn't in lockdown because I was uh, cor- because I was uh, quarantined from the virus. At least that was more, that was more of a byproduct. I was in recovery. Right. <laughs> I couldn't drive anywhere. I couldn't really go anywhere because, buddy, half of my skull was gone. <laughs> okay, not the whole skull, but enough, enough. And finally, I want to talk about Final Call, Divided We Fall. Oh, man, that was just such a banger of an away track. Right. It's just like gruff vocals and just this really aggressive rhythm. It was fun. But now to the songs that I did choose, the first of which was Alpha Sub Two-Handed Piss. This was the funniest song on that, <laughs> on that whole compilation. It's got such a lo-fi punk production. It just sounds like a demo. It, maybe it is. I don't know. I didn't look too much into the, into the band after this, but it's got a sense of humor in the lyricism that mirrors that of No Effects and The Vandals. These are a bunch of jokes and quips pertaining to uh, sadomasochism. <laughs> yeah, like lyrics like, uh, who's on top at everything they do? Sit back and accept while I dominate you. <laughs> and uh, I'm alpha, you're the bitch, because when I take a leak, it's a two-handed piss. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. Just This is the main standout on here, because, yeah, no one else sings a song like this in the, in the style of humor that they do. In fact, I don't think there's... M- I don't think there's another song on this EP that just goes balls to the wall with the humor, other than the Italian Blood bonus track. But right. That doesn't really count because it's a bonus track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Alpha Sub, Two-Handed Piss. Ever been there? Maybe. <laughs> but these guys have, and listen to their story. Yeah, 
I'll fuck your mom. I fuck your sister too. I'd even fuck your dad if I knew it bothered you. <laughs> Again, uh, this you can see why it was a standout. If you listen to this compilation front to back, this one is like, yep, okay. <laughs> These guys just really lowered the bar. <laughs> you know, if, uh, if it wasn't so well put together, you know, structure-wise, I would say this sounds like a one take and done. But honestly, if this was a single take, I'd be very impressed because <laughs> everything is on point here. The only thing that sucks about it is the sound, the, uh, rather the production. So I'm like, but then again, that just kind of adds to the humor of it all. True. <laughs> it's like when you're a, when you're a kid and you're uh, fucking around playing a, uh, Acting like you're in a band with a little play school mic <laughs> and the little uh, those little inflatable blow up guitars. <laughs> yeah, it just has that youthful uh, youthful disposition to it. So, so yeah, um, Alpha Sub, <laughs> you you live it in this fucking song. So, thanks for b- giving me a laugh today. <laughs> well, there's a lot of good stuff. You can get out over to Liberty or Death Records 2.bandcamp.com and you can find this compilation, The Punk and Ska, Liberty or Death Records Volume 2. Uh, it also is their Fight Animal Abuse, United We Stand. There's a lot going on on the, the cover there. Great cover art. And again, all proceeds go to Brick City Rescue. They've already got a couple hundred bucks that they've been able to donate. It's $7 and you get 38 songs. $7 that all proceeds go to help Brick City Rescue, and you get 38 songs. Yes, some of those songs might have been prior release somewhere, and some that you... Eric's going to talk more about the, hey, you get to come across a band, and then you're going to deep dive more, right? We'll get into that here in a minute. That amounts to about 18 cents per song. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I just did the math on that. I'm like, yep, 18 cents per song. That uh, That is about what a band makes from... 100,000 Spotify streams. (laughs) (laughs) But 18 cents per song for you and $7, or you can always donate more as well, and more money goes to Brick City Rescue. Yeah. On this compilation, Eric's pointed out there's some uh, ska, ska core. I mean, you got cool ska bands like Sergeant Skaggs on there, Scapositories on there, Mm. uh, bands like uh, Public Serpents that feature the guy that was drummer for Choking Victim, I believe, does vocals for Public Serpents, and they have a new album that's coming out. There's that. Uh, A lot of other really great bands, a lot of oi bands, a lot of street punk bands. There's several bands that we've played on the show recently, or I will be playing in the not-too-distant future. Uh, what, like two minutes from now? <laughs> Broken Cuffs, yes. Uh, Broken Cuffs, we, had, we did an interview on the show. Uh, Seeing Snakes, we've played not too long ago. The Prowlers, I've played, and I will be playing them on my Best of 2022 episode. Uh, Toy Fell, I played them not too long ago over on Punkinoy Worldwide. Played a band that Jenny Wu's in, because she's got a track on there. Uh, not too long ago as well. We played that uncouth track over the summer because they released two tracks, one of which was that one. We played that. Uh, Love Broken Heroes. There's so many other really great bands. Dead Low just barely released, not for sale. That track is on here. Uh, Buzzers had a new release just this past month. Yeah. You can find that. That's on LSM Vinyl. And just uh, recently, we did a uh, 65 Rats. Right. 65 Rats is on there, and we just played that band. Um, we play Mad Mulligans all the time when they're releasing new stuff. Yeah. Played Final Call not too long ago, and we're about to play Final Call again. But 
Before we get to uh, that, I want to mention that the bands are from all over the place, not just the styles of music. I mean, you have bands from all over, all over the U.S., all over the place. I mean, I, I listed so many bands. They're from everywhere. Just on this episode alone, we have both coasts covered. Eric just played a band from Philly. I'm about to play two bands from California, and I'll let Eric introduce his other band here in a moment. Let's get mm -hmm. into more that you will hear off of that compilation uh, from Liberty or Death Records. Final Call just mentioned them. Uh, they're from San Fernando Valley in California. Let's check out that Divided We Fall. Eric was just mentioning that mm -hmm. he enjoyed that track. Well, let's enjoy it all together. Here we go. <laughs> Chanting chorus. What punk song would be without one of those? Right? I'll tell you what they'd be. They'd be forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> Final call is awesome. The, the vinyl is pretty sweet. You can find that vinyl. I think I picked up mine over on LSM Vinyl. A lot of cool bands on that compilation uh, with new vinyls that you can go find over on LSM. Uh, but back to Liberty or Death Records. They did release another compilation. So if you're in the mood for compilations. And Eric, like I said, he's going to explain a great reason why here in just a moment. But uh, we're going to play one more track that I picked. 
the point is, is they have another one, Volume 1, that came out back in August of 2022. So even more bands, more tracks to go check out there. Uh, all you got to do is head over to Liberty or Death Records Bandcamp page. You can go to Liberty or Death Records over on Facebook and Instagram too. Follow them there. Keep up with them when they are releasing new stuff like these compilations. Uh, there is a lot of great stuff there. We're going to play, I'm going to pick one more from California. This band is from Oakland. I saw them at Crash Festival. Uh, they were awesome. They're doing some shows there in that Northern Cali area if you want to go check them out. Uh, Claymore is the band and the track off the compilation from Claymore is called City of the Dead. So let's get to it. Claymore, they're cool, they're from Oakland, just like, uh, well, California, I shouldn't say just like, San Fernando Valley is not Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little south of Oakland, I right, would say. Right, And Oakland is just across the bay from uh, Frisco. Right. Is it across the bay or just uh, sort of a little more west? I don't remember. Uh, Either way, it's in the Bay Area. Right. <laughs> yeah. Back on target. Yeah, this is a, Oakland or San Jose. Yes. Uh, compilation, a uh, lot of great bands. I mentioned a lot of them. We're going to play another one. Eric's going to talk about his pick before we 
do a little bit of something else, and uh, we're working our way to that interview. So, Eric, what, what else did you pick from the comp? Well, I'll keep my explanation of this band as succinct as the track itself, as this track <laughs> is a minute and six seconds long. Yeah, it's the shortest song on this record, if I am not mistaken. And it is the only one on here that features just straightforward hardcore punk. Nice. Yet the band is called Conflict Resolution, and the song is No Control. Before I say anything else, let's listen to this song and get a feel for it, as it were. shit that was amazing yep just like uh oh man it got me so bad that i was like okay fuck it i gotta see what else these guys have to offer come to find out these guys have actually been around for a while just 20 years yeah, yeah just 20 years just it's no, 20. no fucking big deal they have four eps to their name right and uh and yeah i just did a deep dive on that like uh what else do these guys have to offer they offer more or less the same Except the guy's uh, vocals uh, changed throughout time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, in uh, one EP I was listening to, I, I can't remember which one, but his vocals sounded very similar to that of Simon Prescott from PSO. Oh, cool. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty interesting. I'm like, where are these guys from? Are they also from uh, San Diego? They are not. They are a state over. They're from Phoenix. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Phoenix, Arizona. And, uh, and yeah, I'm pretty sure that by the time they recorded that EP, that song... Um, uh, Prescott would have still been uh, uh, graduating grade school. We'll say that. <laughs> uh, but regardless, it's still it's still great music despite the similarities. And speaking of similarities, they got songs that are uh, more thrashy. You know, they even have that as like their slogan. It's like thrash punk with an exclamation point at the end of it. <laughs> nice. And and yeah, you do hear those little instances. I was hearing a bit of. Uh, Especially with a guy's voice when it's really high pitched, it sounded like Tony Foresta's of uh, you know Municipal Waste and Iron Reagan, who are also crossover bands. I'm like, okay, but this is a little shorter than most crossover songs. I mean, well, to uh, again reference Iron Reagan, they do have their uh, their share of straightforward hardcore punk songs like "You're Gets an Asshole," "You're Gets an Asshole," <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> so yeah, they they haven't gotten that short these guys, but. Short enough to where you can uh, distinct them in the same vein as Minor Threat, just as you can DRI. So, I really like these guys. I go to find out. This is part of the EP that they released uh, a year ago. So, I'm like, oh, shit. Do I have another EP that I got to add to my list? <laughs> I mean, it is kind of short, so, I mean, 
like an EP, I suppose, <laughs> but, but it couldn't help to, it couldn't hurt to add another one. I listened to it and it's great. That's awesome. All right, that's all I got to say about conflict resolution. Yeah, take that, the UK. You give us conflict, we have the resolution. <laughs> sure, it took us about 20 years afterwards, but we still have it. Right. Well, get out there, check out that compilation. Uh, we got to move on, but I mean, there's bands from Spain, there's bands from the UK, there's bands from Netherlands. Bands are from all over participating, and it's seven bucks. I mean, normally you spend about a buck a track. I'm sure there's at least seven songs you're like, oh yeah, I want to get those. And then guess what? There's a bonus 31 tracks on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> How is that nice. for a bonus? <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's quite a bonus. Right. And just, uh, and yeah, it's not like those uh, little bonuses you see in, uh, uh, for one uh, video game I, I came across called Action 52 on the NES. It was marketed as like a one cartridge, 52 games. Wow. Yeah, 52 games. Sounds great on paper. Sounds great. Bang for your buck. Too bad all the games were terrible. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. This is uh, not like that. You get quantity and quality. For just uh, seven dollars, like I said, eighteen cents per song, or have uh, Dustin said, you spend a dollar, and you get us. Well, yeah, I mean, spend seven bucks songs. to spend get seven, seven songs, but then you get thirty-one bonus songs. Yes, as you said. Yep. You said it more uh, <laughs> uh, more uh, cohesively than I did. <laughs> well, go check it out. Support. I love to support punks supporting, I mean, other great things. I mean, uh, when it comes to a cause, anything that has to do with animals and helping animals out, fuck, I'm, I'm all in because, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that don't do great things for animals, so it's great when people are doing great things for animals. Uh, let's get into, we got to get to that interview, and we got to get to the rest of the show, so we're moving on. I've got an older or it's really, in this case, lesser known. It was released in 2022. I want to thank Matt of 18 Fevers. Love playing their stuff. Uh, and oh, I forgot about those guys. Awesome band. <laughs> and Matt's always reaching out, letting me know about some cool bands in South Korea that I should check out. Always great bands. Just played one over on Punkanoi Worldwide on the new songs for October episode. So if you want to go check that out from last week, you can. On this episode, we're getting to a band from Seoul in South Korea. The band is called Get To The Point. Uh, they released a new single June 1st of 2022. Uh, I love getting to come across. I mean, that's the great thing about the, the planet. We're making the scene small. It's our scene, and our scene is everywhere. It's not just where you are. I mean, that's if you want to keep the blinders on and only what's in front of you, sure. But when we are reaching out, networking with each other, and you get to check out stuff like that, you mm -hmm. really feel like, oh, I get to check that out. I get to come across, get to the point. I mean, I might not see them live anytime soon, but I get to check their music out. Now you get to do the same thing with us. Uh, thank you to Matt, and thanks always to Matt for the, the recommendations when they come our way. Let's get into that track, that seagull from Get to the Point. The track's called An Eye for an Eye. The voices all around me. 
you think of that? Well, South Korea is further solidifying my opinion that they got it going on, man. Holy right? shit. SKHC. Man, yeah, Korean hardcore is has always fascinated me. It just seems to be more punchy. It just seems to have more aggression behind it. I mean, case in point, the other band that I talked to, uh, talked to, I wish, <laughs> talked about uh, last year, the Geeks, who are also from, uh, I don't know if they are from Seoul, but they are from South Korea. And they have, a, they have such a menacing demeanor. I love them. I love, uh, yeah, I'm loving uh, that Eastern Asian uh, hardcore because Japan is also pretty gnarly as well. Right. Yeah, I saw this uh, documentary, this mini documentary about a, uh, I don't want to call them a band, but this, uh, this act from Japan. They are a two-man band, and they're like harsh noise, and it's, their music is not what I want to talk about. Like, their shows are ridiculous. They are so crazy. It's like you thought Guar was crazy. You thought Gigi Allen was uh, life-threatening. I mean, he still <laughs> is, but... These guys bring it to the nth fucking degree. I'll have to, I'll have to watch it again so I can uh, accurately talk about it, maybe take some notes on the things that, that they did. I mean, they practically uh, demolished buildings. Wow. I, I, am, uh, <laughs> I wish I could say that I am uh, exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, more on that later. Well... That wraps up. I want to thank Matt of 18 Fevers. Uh, always happy to check out more cool stuff from Seoul or just South Korea in general. And we have got an interview to get to, So, and we have Eric's album to get to. Eric's album, interview, all that coming. Before we do that, we're going to talk about some live shows. Eric played a live show. Eric, tell us about that live show, then we'll get into some live upcoming shows. Yeah, some live upcoming shows. I did go to a show. Not only go, I played a show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was on the 21st at Metro Bar. And we were playing with Mainliner, the Social D cover band, Marine Corps, All Systems Fail, and what was going to be Badmouth. However, they dropped off the show and realized a little bit later that they had broken up. Well, I guess that happens from time yeah, to time. Yeah, it does happen, especially with, that, with little bands like that. I mean, it, was, uh, it wasn't too big a loss. I mean, they only have like a 20-minute set. But this is the second show in a row. Okay, maybe not in a row because they did play the night prior with, uh, as like the sort of a ska cure show that uh, uh, Salt City United put on. Okay. Yeah, it was like, a, is your life uh, boring? Well, we got the cure. SCU Fuck United presents the ska getaway. I can't remember what the flyer said, but what they did was they played an Op Ivy cover set. And that was the last show they played. Well, going out on a high note, I suppose. Yeah. It's okay. Honestly, I never thought they were that great. They were, they were just uh, little kids making punk rock music. I've heard it before. I've seen it before. And they weren't really uh, doing much to really make them stand out. Well, maybe they'll move on to do something cool even more better after. Yep. Yeah, I hope so, too. Got the experience under the belt. Anyway, yep. you did a show that you did attend. That obviously they couldn't. <laughs> I played. Yes. 
And yeah, the show itself was uh, pretty fun. Um, All Systems Fail were the first to take the stage. And oh my God, I love All Systems Fail. I love them so much. And they were one of the first bands that I saw live uh, when I started going to local shows. I saw them at the old underground. Not the first one, but the second one. (laughs) The one that was in South Salt Lake. It was in that... uh, it was in the auto body garage, nice. the mechanics garage, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, that was a great show, and it took ten years, and I'm now finally sharing a bill with them. That's cool. So that was great. I even, I even made a point to say that uh, during my set, and and yeah, all systems fail. Jorge is still doing a fantastic job as the front man. He doesn't do much, but he's still got that aggressive presence. He's got that energy just flowing out of him. But those guys are old, you know. They can't be as crazy and as uh, mobile on stage as they once were. You know, the life of a punk rocker. But 20 <laughs> years as a band, you've got you to gotta tip your hats to those guys. Right? You just wonder, how the fuck did you do it? Because <laughs> <sighs> they had nothing better to do. <laughs> well, anyway, there was uh, so yeah, that was their set. And then Mainliner uh, came up on the stage. And, and they had a pretty unique setup, by the way. They had like this little uh, mannequin with some stickers on it, some uh, uh, some tape functioning as pasties, and she even had a little hat on. And at one point, uh, they gave that mannequin to Rudy, and he just went parading around the uh, <laughs> went parading around the floor with it. Rudy, by the way, that's my friend Rudy Juarez, who put on the show awesome. and uh, yeah, and got everybody together. Also, Mainliner had their name in a. Uh, uh, in neon lights, they had a yeah a neon wow. sign that spelled their name out, and they had that sitting on one of their amps. That's cool. <laughs> yep. And uh, their singer, he was the only one who uh, sort of dressed up. He was he dressed up in uh, it looked like a fireman's uniform. <laughs> like, Bringing back the village people, huh? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was actually a fireman in there, but I'm just going. No, there wasn't. It was a police officer. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a police officer, an Indian, a construction worker, uh, a jarhead, and one other person. I can't remember. I don't either. I know that there was a... <laughs> oh, no. Maybe that, maybe that was it. There was a... I can't remember. There were four or five of them. I guess it would make sense four because they would do the Y-M-C-A individually. True. So I thought there was five for some reason, but maybe there was only four. Maybe there... Maybe there is. I'm not very uh, well. <laughs> Worse than the I'm not people. well versed in the history of disco. So. Right. Uh, but whatever. That's not the point. The point was uh, Mainliner. They did a great Social D cover set. They played a lot of the classics, opening up with "Story of My Life," uh, playing "Sick Boy," playing "Mommy's Little Biker Monster." Biker and a Cowboy. Biker and a Cowboy. <laughs> There's <Okay>. six of them. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ! All right. <laughs> oh man, and. Uh, and yeah, they even did a cover of Chuck Berry's Maybelline. Wow. Yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun little uh, add-on to it. Uh, and they even closed their set with the cover of Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. Sweet. Yeah, that seems to be the only song that punk bands cover. I was looking <laughs> up like uh, punk bands who covered Johnny Cash, and of course Social D's at the top of the list, but everyone else covers Ring of Fire. I'm like, okay, who else? Uh, Rancid did Folsom Prison Blues. Okay, okay. there's that. Uh, anything else? <laughs> I mean, you kind of had the Johnny. Ki- you kind of had Joe Strummer covering Redemption Song with Johnny Cash. That's true. That's completely different. <laughs> Man, we talked about that already, but uh, but yeah, the Social D cover band. 
They were great. Mainliner was great, despite the fact they didn't play my two favorite Social D songs, which are Let It Be Me and Sweet and Lowdown. Yeah, I even asked him, I was like, are you going to be playing that song now that one band has dropped off? You have a sort of added 20 minutes, and, you know, we don't have any other songs to add to our set, at least none that are ready. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Marine Corps doesn't either because they don't practice too much. And uh, the only other band that has a plethora of material is All Systems Fail, and they already played, so they didn't. <laughs> they didn't, but he promised me next time that they play, um, they will include that, uh, either one of those songs. I'm like, okay, good. Invite me on stage? I didn't ask him about that, <laughs> but I will. <laughs> so help me God, if they gave, play Give Me Sweet and Lowdown, I am going to pour my heart out on stage. <laughs> I love that one. It's, it's the best. <clears throat> so yeah, that was, uh, that was Mainliner. Great show. Um, and yeah, then Marine Corps took to the stage, and Marine Corps, I've seen them better. <laughs> I've seen them better. There was a technical malfunction where uh, that delayed the show for about 10 minutes while they were trying to figure shit out. I don't know exactly what was going on. All I know is that at some point, uh, I couldn't hear Jay's guitar. So that was pretty strange. And, uh, and yeah, they were all right. It was, a good sh- it was a good show for what they were, but like I said, I've seen them do better sets. Although they did cover Nervous Breakdown. Cool. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Oh, and Will, their bassist, he's the, he's the most flashy member of that band. I mean, Jay, he wears a little, he wears a little pirate hat and has this little uh, spiky jacket. Uh, the drummer whose name I can never fucking remember. I just know his name starts with a G. <laughs> and he, uh, uh, he just looks so normal. He looks like he just... Uh, came out of grade school. <laughs> He's not wearing anything uh, flashy, anything to turn heads. Uh, and Connor, their uh, other vocal guitarist uh, thing, he's, he's got long hair. He's wearing, uh, he's wearing Vans. He's wearing like uh, skater pants and shit like that. So he looks like a, he looks like a young aspiring thrasher. Nice. But Will... Will has on the eye makeup. He's got the all black clothing. He ma- he makes himself out to look like uh, Edward Scissorhands or uh, or uh, what's his name from uh, uh, oh Sweeney Todd. That's okay. the other one. He is just so obsessed living in the shadow of uh, uh, the guy from uh, from Modern Life is War. Not Modern Life is War. Uh, Modern Day. Why the fuck can I remember the Motionless and White? Okay. That guy. Yeah, Motionless and White. He. You know, they, that whole band just has a nice little uh, gothic demeanor. Right. So he's doing that shit, and he looks so out of place. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. Uh, and also, he was going out into the crowd. He had a wireless uh, setup in his, uh, uh, in his bass rig. So he was able to go out into the crowd and uh, move everybody around. That's that cool. Was, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, that was Marine Corps. Now we, Anonymous, take the stage. And uh, I'm going to prelude this with uh, saying we played better shows, man. <laughs> we played, but not your worst show. Yes, it was not our worst show. The, <laughs> the uh, God damn the, what is it? The holder of that title is the show that we played back in October. Um, not the Halloween show where we got unplugged. Because <laughs> that wasn't exactly our fault. That was, the, that was the fault of the shop owner. Fucking dumbass. <laughs> uh, 
But the other one we played in Halloween, where we played as what was once the Dis House. Now it's the, it was the Slut Hut. Now they're not <laughs> doing shows there anymore. Darn and no, yeah, honestly, it's, uh, it's okay, because okay. the basement that we played in was so tiny, and we were drunk, and we were short one guitarist. We played like ass. <laughs> we were so terrible. I did not like that show. Oh, God. It was like a, it was one of those shows that cuts you down to size, in a way. A little humbling. Everybody needs a little humbling every now and again. Exactly. But at this show, we were, you know, the... Audience was good, and for the most part, we did play well, except for the beginning and the end. The beginning, we opened up with our song, uh, Halo Head, and we were kind of doing a sound check with that song. And, it, and there is a part after the initial intro where Ethan plays the leading riff by himself to, uh, that will go into the verse. And I could not hear him. And I was looking like, hey, wait, 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 hey, going to the sound guy, up, up, turn him up. And then Ethan was keep playing, kept playing, and the audio, and the guy was like, "No, up, up, up!" <laughs> and he's just beating me with thumbs up. I'm like, "Not thumbs up, guitar up, guitar stage right, turn him up, <laughs> Jesus!" <laughs> so we finally got him to, we finally got the point across. It was like, I can't hear him. I don't think the audience can hear him. Can the audience hear him? No. So pretty please with sugar on top. Turn up the fucking guitar. <laughs> so yeah, that was a bit of a mess, but it only uh, managed to get a little worse. Oh. oh yeah, thanks to, oh Tyler. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. I thought you could hold your liquor. <laughs> he always drinks when he plays a show, but he never gets a uh, 10 pole drunk. This time he did. <laughs> he was, and I quote, 18 drinks deep. <laughs> Those were his words. He took, he drank 18 whiskey sours throughout the entirety of the night. This is why it's dangerous for us to headline. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, a, that was a pain in the ass. The thing was, he was, uh, he was playing just fine despite the circumstances with Halo Head because Sid was having trouble uh, hearing us in the beginning and, uh, and uh, she had difficulty hearing us in the first part of the set, like the song afterwards, so it was like, okay. We gotta fix the uh, we gotta fix the sound coming into the uh, drum monitors. Eventually, it got fixed, but that first song it was just getting a little weird. <laughs> and there is a part in Halo Head where everything comes to a pause. And live, I go on this little diatribe on how religion is bullshit, and I lead into it with like, "No one is born without sin. No one is so easily forgiven. No one lives life flawlessly." And then I hand over the mic to DK usually to say, "No one has a halo on their head." But in the middle of my little uh, speech, I, I scaled it back a lot <laughs> just because uh, I didn't want to uh, bore everybody and I didn't really have anything else to say. So. <laughs> but then Tyler, he actually reaches over to me like, give me the mic, give me the mic. Oh, Tyler, you want to you say it now? Okay. So I hand him the mic and he goes, I am 18 drinks deep <laughs> in this show. So if I play like shit, you know why? I'm like, Tyler, thank you for being honest, but that does not help the situation. <laughs> and help it did not, but more on that later. So eventually I did my little thing, gave DK the mic, and then had the breakdown, and boom, we were on. And the rest of the set went, went by more or less without a hitch. We did pretty well, except for the last song. The last song, it's relatively new, but we practiced it, and we're all in the pocket. 
except for live, and Tyler being as drunk as he was, in the, after the first verse, he's supposed to lead in with his bass line while Sid does a little on the bass drum just to keep in rhythm. So he was facing Sid, and Sid was looking at him like, it's you. And Tyler, no, it's you. No, it's you. No, it's you. It took uh, her, me, and DK to come over and guide him as like, this part. DK had to actually play it for him. Okay, yeah, I got it. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this fucking guy. You're cut off, man. Yeah, so that was a bit of a that was a bit of a mess, and people were like, oh, I don't think anybody noticed. I'm like, um, it was pretty obvious, you know. All of us just clamoring around him, like, dude, would you fucking get it together? Oh, man, it's so, but it's okay. It was okay. It was okay. Just those few, I don't want to say minor, but hiccups nonetheless. <laughs> uh, but it was, it certainly wasn't our worst show. It wasn't our best, but it wasn't our worst. I would say it's below average at the very least. Yeah, so it's, a, it's okay. It's okay, and we're not playing the show again until April 29th. That will be the General Violence Conference, which is uh, gradually getting announced, as in there's a, there's a lot of bands. I think there's like uh, 28 bands that are uh, coming through. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's going to be a one-day thing, all ages, and, oh, man, I'm excited for it. Of course, we're playing it, like I said, and a lot of, uh, a lot of bands that played last year are coming back, and, yep, I'm trying to get an interview with the, uh, the curators and the promoters of said festival. That is uh, Spencer Anderson and Tyler Verani from NARC. Cool. Yep, they did it last year, and they'll be doing it again this year, and I want to talk to them about it. <laughs> They're down. We just got to figure it out. Sweet. Yeah, so uh, that will be coming up uh, hopefully in the next, uh, well, not even the next few episodes. April is a ways away. <laughs> Yeah, probably late March, early April, whatever, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, the the show was at the very end of April. Last year, it was on the 30th. But, you know, years being what they are, the moves a day forward. (laughs) We're backwards. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't matter. And don't even bring in, don't even factor in leap years because I I don't like math. (laughs) I mean, I could do it. I just don't like it. Right. So, yeah, that was... uh, that was about the show. We may have played uh, not out our best, but we did manage to sell enough merch to finally get out of debt, <laughs> the debt that we owe Conrad for doing our last round of shirts. We only had, before the show, we only had to owe him $70. We made $70 and then some, so we finally have some money in the pot. Awesome. Again. So more merch coming, fellas. And uh, yeah, we're still uh, working on recording the damn single. It's a... Uh, it's a strenuous process doing tempo charting. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. But such is the plight of being in a band, I guess. Anyway, that's all I got. All right, a couple shows I'm going to mention. we got to get to some or Eric's album because we got to get to that interview. So Murphy's Law, Blasphematics, Klaxon, who we just played not too long ago, and We Own Land are playing at Alchemy. And that's in Providence. I believe that would be Rhode Island. And the, I assume Providence, Rhode Island? Anyway. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, Friday, January 27th. It's 8 p.m. And that is a $15 show. So go check that one out. 
Uh, uh, I think there's only going to be one other one I mentioned besides the festival. There's a few coming up in like mid-February. I'll wait till next week. Uh, the record release party for Fighting for Scraps, their new vinyl LP 1924 is coming out January 27th. Go over to O'Connell's Pub Time, Blue Island. It features also a Clear Coat and The Braver Days. You can go check them out. It's a 7 p.m. show. Uh, go out there and check out uh, Fighting for Scraps, playing their new stuff. And then I'm going to mention Destination Chaos again because it is coming up. And you can go over to uh, DestinationChaos.com and check out more of the lineup. If you don't have your tickets yet, you're probably not attending but that's all right. Uh, if you are attending, I hope you attend and reach out to us. Tell us how cool it was. It's January 28th, so it will be halfway through or getting close to the end by the next time we do the show. But January 28th, it starts, and you get to go see. It's in Dominican Republic, in case I forgot to mention that on this episode, because I mentioned it on several others, it's at the Experience at the Senator Resort in Puerto Plata, Dominican Republic, again, DestinationChaos.com, uh, a week's worth of fantastic punk bands such as Iggy Pop, Descendants, Parquet Courts, Gogo Bordello, Peter Hook and the Light, who are performing Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures, still the one I want to see the most, Amelin and the Sniffers, Shame, Amigo the Devil, Bouncing Souls, uh, most of those bands, not Iggy Pop, Descendants, or Peter Hook, but all the other bands I just mentioned, all performing twice during the week, including Amigo the Devil, The Bronx, The Chats, Star Crawler, Teenage Bottle Rocket, Grade 2, Moscow Death Brigade, uh, all performing twice. The next bands are performing three times. Thick, Crazy in the Brains, you're going to see Crazy in the Brains three different times. Uh, Vicious Dreams, A Giant Dog twice, Lemmy Winks. Los Perricks once, Cat Lady, Shido, all those bands once, plus several comedians such as Josh Myers, Eddie Pepitone, Casey Balsham, Joe Sib, Natalie Cuomo, and JT Habersat. I hope they do this next year just because uh, I would love to plan for it and go myself. I think that'd be amazing to go to the DR and check out a lineup like that. Hopefully they do a lineup like that. That's it. I, that's all I've got for shows. we got to move on. Eric, do you have anything you want to add? And then next up is your album after that. Yes, i got a, I got a couple of shows to add here. The uh, 24th, this is the show I'm going to try and catch when we are uh, done here. Uh, it's Livid, Mandalore, Narc. Um, was Ribbons, but for some reason they dropped off the show and have been replaced with Skullfuck and Bound. That's at your mom's house. It's going to cost me uh, uh, probably nothing. I'm showing up late. <laughs> and it started uh, about an hour and a half ago. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, anyway, on the 27th, Jerk is coming back to Salt Lake with Goners UK. And my friends in Filth Lords are opening up for them. That's going to be at Aces High Saloon. Be $10. Starts at 8 p.m. Awesome. And then the 28th is the Absolved EP release show. I'm excited for that one. That's going to include Mandalore, Recidivist, and Portraits. Oh, man. And Portraits, I just got to say, Portraits is among one of the heaviest fucking bands in the current Salt Lake hardcore uh, adjacent metal scene. It is... My God, they're just a couple of high school kids, but damn, do they pack a punch. That's awesome. Man, I am so, I'm taken aback by those guys. They are brutal. I love it. I love them. Uh, and this is going a little bit out of the, uh, out of uh, next week, but it's the only show I have uh, 
I have uh, for February, at least in the first week of February. It's on the 4th. P.S. Destroy This, Threer, Narc, and Fuckskin at Kilby Court. That, too, is $10, and it will start at 7 p.m. Sweet. So, yeah, that's all I got for shows. And uh, one more thing that I do want to say. You know how I mentioned earlier I was talking to, uh, I can't remember his name. Shit. <laughs> the, the, the singer for the Mainliners, when I was asking slash requesting um, the songs that they wanted to play, right. uh, that I wanted them to play, um, there was this one kid. Okay, anyone who's younger than me, I sort of refer to him as a kid. But, <laughs> I mean, he's in a bar, so of course he's of age. He came up to me saying, hey, uh, you're anonymous, right? Yes, I am. Are you going to be playing Abandoned Existence? Will you be playing Struggle and Abuse? He asked for those two songs specifically. I'm like, yes, man, we always play them. Oh, fuck yeah. So I'm like, that's the first time that's ever happened to me. It's like, are you going to play this? Are you going to play this? That's I'm awesome. like, oh, that's so cool. I'm sure that's a good feeling. <laughs> it is a great feeling. I really, I'm like, all right, so we have demands now. Yes. Okay, well, that kid's going to have a sad day when we have to pull those songs from her set list, being that we have more songs to bring on. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know when that will be. <laughs> there was At only, some point. There was only one time we did not play Between Struggle and Abuse, and that was when we did the uh, Instagram live stream during the pandemic, because we only had a short window, so we had to cut out Struggle because that's our longest song. Gotcha. <laughs> so, so, okay, but that's in the past. Let's uh, get to the present. The present is Eric's great cover cover album. Which is in the past. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Well, I mean, any album I talk about. to get to the present? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, any album I talk about on this show is from the past. True. Except for Absolve. That was, that's in the future. <laughs> there you go. You're right. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the thing is, uh, back to the past. I'm talking way back to the past. I'm talking 40 years ago, man. I'm talking of a band that is one of the cultivators of hardcore music. Maybe you know them. They're called Minor Threat. Ever heard of them? Well, let me give you the rundown if you haven't. They are a band that formed in D.C. in 1980, Washington, D.C., and have been and have been one of the most renowned and revered hardcore bands, despite the fact that they were only a band for two years. But damned if they didn't make an impact, not just with the band itself, but with the but with the label that they, were, that they created. Uh, it was founded by one Ian McKay and included Jeff Nelson, Lyle Pressler, and Brian Baker. Just a little four-piece band in little DC, and they were making a lot of noise. And yeah, the label they founded, Discord Records, housed, uh, housed some other startup bands like State of Alert, Teen Idols, which was, uh, which was a side project of Ian McKay. Oh, not Teen Idols. I think it was. I can't remember. But State of Alert had some uh, uh, has its place because that was the first band that Henry Rollins was in. Awesome. Yeah, when he still lived out in D.C. And also Government Issue was on there. Youth Brigade put out their first EP on there. And and yeah, throughout the throughout the eighties, they were housing bands like Dag Nasty, Rites of Spring, and Embrace, just to name a few. So they had <laughs> they really brought a lot to the table. Despite this being run out of a uh, a bedroom in the house that they lived in, <laughs> in the middle of D.C., the house is still there. <laughs> I don't know if Ian still lives there, but whatever. So yeah, minor threat. They make their uh, they make their way onto the scene in 1981 with their first EP, the aptly titled Filler. Eight songs on there, and they all ripped. Holy shit! You had the 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 titular minor threat song. You had 
the title track, Filler, and you had Small Man, Big Mouth, you had uh, Bottled Violence, and you had, of course, Straight Edge. Yeah, these guys created Straight Edge. Did you know that? I don't think anybody knew that. <laughs> yeah, that was the, yeah, that was the idea, just uh, Ian preaching about how he doesn't smoke, drink, or have, uh, God, what is it? I don't know, doesn't have uh, sex on a regular basis. Okay. So, yeah, practicing uh, celibacy in okay. a way. Uh, yeah, not all straight edgers do that. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but, yeah, that was the uh, movement that they started. And it was really because when they would play out of state, the only venues that would house a band were bars. And they were kids. They were underage, you know? So they couldn't exactly convince the bartenders to let them in. And they said, you know what? We'll put these giant X's on our fists. You can't miss them. If anyone with that mark on their hand comes up and tries to buy a drink, you can kick us out. That is just how you know we are underage. Okay. So, yeah, pretty interesting story of right. the, the X. <laughs> the X. Uh, yeah, so that was the idea behind uh, Minor, Minor Threat's uh, lyrical enterprise. For a few songs. Uh, anyway, they, that EP is not what I'm going to be talking about. What I am going to be talking about is their second EP. The track list is cut in half, but all the songs still pack a punch, lyrically and musically as well. It's one EP, four songs, three words, in my eyes. Dude, <laughs> I love this album. Not only does it house my absolute favorite Minor Threat song, but every song on here is a standout. There is the Out of Step with the World, where Ian is sort of given this, uh, he's given a sort of sequel to Straight Edge, because the lyrics go, don't smoke, don't drink, don't fuck, at least I can fucking think. <laughs> and some people were reading that as like uh, Ian being preachy, like in the way that he's telling you not to do any of that. But he's like, uh, he insists, no, that's me saying I don't smoke or drink or fuck. At least I can fucking think. <laughs> so, and they did, uh, they did uh, re-release it in the Out of Step album, and he re-recorded it with his little pronoun leading into uh -huh. the statement. Okay. And, oh uh, yeah, and Steppin' Stone. Remember how we keep saying that there are bands who do cover songs and sort of inadvertently make it their own classic? Yep. Well, Steppin' Stone is one of them. Up until today, as I was doing a bit of research for this EP, I had no idea that Steppin' Stone was a cover song from Paul Revere and the Raiders. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Fucking color me surprised. <laughs> Damn. Uh, so, yeah, Steppin' Stone, great song. In, it, in its own right, the original and the re-release. Uh, the re-release, the reimagining <laughs> uh, from Minor Threat. Um, but yeah, those two songs I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the other two. First, we're going to talk about the title track. Yeah, it's, uh, it starts off pretty slow. Like, it's just, uh, you know, whereas in the first one, filler, it just throws you right into the pit in a manner of speaking, but also speaking quite literally. <laughs> like, it's just, it doesn't hold off on the aggression, pulls no punches. This one, it allows you to ease in a little more. And the verse stays uh, pretty slow and kind of drudgy, but then the verse picks up. Uh, not the verse, it picks up in the chorus. Okay. And then, second verse, it brings back that same speed, and then, whoa, we're at it again, motherfucker. <laughs> And, the, and, I love the, and I love the lyrics of it. It's uh, kind of this one, 
this argument that uh, Ian is having with uh, a faceless person, uh, and the person, and he's just kind of repeating the excuses back to him, and then just like responding with aggressive crit- critiques. <laughs> It's like one-line excuses met with one-line solutions. <laughs> and, yeah, it just builds on top of that. It gets more aggressive before the chorus kicks in and just throws everything into the, throws everything into the pit. So enough more dicking around. Here it is, In My Eyes. <laughs> Mr. Mackay is very blunt, <laughs> but such is the uh, uh, the the setting of hardcore music. Right, it's just straight and to the point, you know. And uh, you know, hence why Minor Threat is such a uh, well-revered band. Right. And yeah, fun memory I have about that song is uh, one of the times I went to a punk rock bowling. Uh, Rise Against was headlining, and Rise Against they love to uh, you know wear their influences on their sleeves. And they do do uh, minor threat covers every once in a while. 
And on this one, I was hanging out in the back during my... <laughs> Minor threat, Jesus Christ, rise against the set. And then they invited none other than Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki, who is a uh, DJ and a producer for house music and trap music. What the fuck is he doing here at Punk Rock Bowling? I guess he likes the music. (laughs) Well, I mean, Moby, he's also an electronic artist, and he came from the punk scene. That's awesome. So, yeah, kind of weird how uh, stuff like that works out. Yeah. (laughs) So he invites uh, Steve Aoki, and he's like, this is for all you people. This is is one of our favorite fucking bands that influenced us. This is a song by Minor Threat. And then they go into In My Eyes. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm working my way to the front. I'm, like, crawling over these little kids just like, it's In My Eyes, In My Eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And I can tell the little kids are dancing around like, yeah, this is a great song. I'm like, you have no idea, kids. (laughs) But yeah, just uh, Tim McGowrath and and Steve Aoki singing that Minor Threat song together. It was such a weird experience, but an awesome one, too. That's cool. So yeah. Um, Moving on from there, the other song, if you're familiar with this EP, you know which song is left. And it is the... uh, Questionably titled Guilty of Being White. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this album, this album, this song, it's not even an album, it's an EP, but this song has become a bit of a, it's garnered a bit of controversy in recent years, and you can understand why. If you're just taking it on the surface level, Guilty of Being White sounds like a little uh, white boy pity party, you know? <laughs> uh, but this is a far cry away from, for example, Tom McDonald's White Boy boy <laughs> that is a fucking uh you just say because i'm white well just uh, god don't listen to that song it sucks or just listen to it and just expect something horrible because that's all it is is horrible anyway um yeah this song it has a it has a history to it that uh that i want to bring to light because it's in defense of this song's title and the whole idea behind it Ian wrote it as a reaction to him being accosted by black kids in his neighborhood and his school in regards to the atrocities beset upon them by the race of which he is a representative. And the thing was, DC, um, at least back in the day, in an interview with Ian MacKay, was saying that in the 80s, it was actually a white minority city. So the most, uh, it was the one U.S. city... Uh, not one of the U.S. cities, the major metropolises <laughs> that had more black people per capita rather than whites. And yes, this was the late 60s, 70s when uh, Ian MacKay was growing up. Civil rights movement was still fresh in people's minds. Martin Luther King's death, Malcolm X's death were all like, still, people were still healing from that. So when Ian was in, in this interview, I'm sort of paraphrasing, saying that people would come up to him and be like, you shot my king, referring to uh, Martin Luther King. And right. he's like, dude, I was only a toddler when that happened. <laughs> I didn't even learn about it until I was like 12 years old. So, right. so he, was writing that as, he was writing this as a sort of response to it. So yeah, on the surface, this sounds like a, a white boy pity party, but... Like a good hardcore punk song, it challenges its listeners. It challenges them, challenges them to uh, read between the lines and induces critical thinking. 
This is not a white power song. This is not a white boy crybaby song. It is an anti-racist song. It is a song that invokes the image of the tables turning against you and further states that racism can use anyone as a vessel regardless of skin pigmentation or nationality. True. So yeah, it doesn't matter. It's like blacks can hate the whites just as much as whites can hate the blacks. Just based on... I mean, it's like if you base the personality of an individual entirely on the misgivings and shortcomings imposed by other members of their race, that is racism. True. So when you listen to this song, listen to it not as Ian preaching to a group of people, but rather to the individual or individuals who, uh, who were pushing the blame onto him for the injustice imposed on his people uh, on their people by the ways he happens to represent. Right. So, yeah, he's... And so, by yeah. people that he probably wouldn't be claiming. Exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. I sure wouldn't. So, yeah, it is a bit of a controversial song in that right, but if you just take it at face value, you are part of the problem. It's like, yeah, the title has its own thing, and would it fly today? Probably not, but it's still an, uh, it's still an issue that needs to be addressed. So with that being said, here is Guilty of Being White. So yeah, it's a, it's a song that is a reaction to said misgivings, right? So, so yeah, the, the song, if you are brave enough to listen to it, cancel culture. <laughs> it's like before you go uh, canceling Ian Mackay for being a white power executive, I mean, that guy, he is not a racist man. He's not a racist man, man. <laughs> I mean, he's just coming from where he is, He's, uh, you know, it's, how do I want to say it? It's just a subject of a matter that he had invoked upon him, and he felt the need to uh, write about it. As in, that, that was like the best way he could do it. But he did it in a very intelligent way. Good. Because, yeah, you can, you can listen to this one. If you take it for its uh, surface value, then you're missing the point. Point isn't about just uh, judging somebody based off of one thing that they said. Because you may not understand the context of it. You may not understand what they are actually trying to initiate here. 
And like I said, they're initiating critical thinking. I mean, if you want to talk about, uh, if you want to talk about controversy, the aforementioned uh, pity party that Tom McDonald was putting on himself in his song White Boy, that is where people are missing the idea. So yeah, the, in short, racism is bad, okay? <laughs> but you got to recognize where racism is coming from. You know, when the table's turned on you, that's when you start to realize the atrocities that certain people will have to face. Right. Yeah. And also a bit of a, also a, bit of a trivial fact here. A, yeah, a little bit of music trivia for you. Uh, Slayer actually covered this song. In their, uh, I think it was 1993, they did an album. Maybe it was a little, more, a little later than that, but it was in the mid-'90s. They did a compilation album of nothing but punk rock covers. And that included Minor Threats, Guilty of Being White. And remember how I was saying uh, some bands, uh, when they make cover songs, they make it their own? Well, uh, Slayer did that by just switching one singular word around in the very last chorus where it says Guilty of Being White. They replaced the word white with right. <laughs> Why? As Kerry King put it in an interview, they just wanted to piss people off. <laughs> and who better to piss off than Ian McKay, who actually lashed out against them, like, you guys are missing the point of the song. It's not about being right. It's about being uh, <laughs> not ignorant. <laughs> and Gary's like, dude, we just did it because we thought it was funny. <laughs> and, of course, you have Tom Araya singing that song. Tom Araya is not white. He is Chilean. <laughs> so, the fact that he, so the fact that he's singing that song, it's not like they forced him to. I mean, he's not a punk by any standards. Jeff Hanneman was the one actually uh, imposing this on the band. It's like, because he was listening to a lot of punk bands. If you see one of his custom guitars, he had like the Dead Kennedys logo, the Black Flag logo, uh, Public Image Limited. He had, a, he had a hand in all of that shit. So, so yeah, they made it their own. Just not in the way that most people <laughs> would expect. <laughs> so, so yeah, somehow that flew over cancel culture's heads. <laughs> Maybe they just don't dig deep enough. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I know that was very long-winded an explanation, but it's stuff that needed to be said. And, uh, yeah, that's my favorite uh, thing that Minor Threat has released, the In My Eyes EP. I love that more than the self-titled. I love that more than, well, sort of self-titled. It's also called filler. I don't care. I love it more than Out of Step. It is beautiful. It is just a nice little collection of tracks. Well, that in the first uh, demo tape, that holds a special part in my heart. As that was my introduction to him. Okay, I'm done talking about Minor Threat. Let's get to this fucking interview. Yes, we're going to get to the interview. City Saints, Gabriel and Stefan are going to join me as soon as this first track uh, goes by, you'll get to hear them talk about playing live shows and new music and all sorts of things. Uh, they're going to talk about the songs. Uh, a couple episodes ago, because I like the album, I picked those songs. Well, they picked to talk about a few specific songs. Those are the songs that we're going to play. Punk and Roll was released just about a month ago on December 23rd. Uh, Double LP, talked about it again two episodes ago. We'll do most of the talking during the interview. Uh, if you're unfamiliar for whatever reason or you missed two episodes ago, Gothenburg in Sweden, that's where these two gentlemen will be joining me from. Let's get into the first track. As I said, they will talk about this track and the one we'll play after the interview. 
during the interview. So here we go with some City Saints and the track Bang Bang. Joining me now, all the way from Gothenburg in Sweden, I have a couple of the City Saints, Stefan and Gabriel. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Nice to be here. Morning time for me, evening time for you guys. Having a pint? Beer o'clock. Beer o'clock for us. Beer o'clock in Sweden, as as always. (laughs) That's the best time to do an interview is at beer o'clock. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for joining. You guys have been a band for a little over 10 years at this point. First release came out yeah. about 10 years ago, approximately, right? Yeah, kicking off for the working class turns 10 this year. So actually, we're doing a, a small, uh, we're going to re-release that album this year and going to have a, a big show in Sweden where we play some songs from that album we never had played before. Awesome. We're going to have a, a bonus track as well. Yeah. The album, just for uh, for the fun of it. That's fantastic. Going to be on Sunny Bastard Records. We had this conversation just a few minutes before we got going. Great record label, and that's where people can find your new releases, newest releases, the last few seven inches, and then also uh, your newest double LP, which is that's pretty awesome in and of itself. A double LP, you don't see those too often anymore. No, that's what something for every album you release, you want to do something new. And this time it was a double album because we always wanted to do a gatefold when you have a 
and a big picture in 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 the middle of the album uh, so that's that's why yeah. <laughs> but we, we didn't have the, the actual songs but we have to write like maniacs to you know have this <laughs> this dream of ours so we wrote like uh, maniacs for a couple of uh, months um <laughs> And and we wanted to do uh, one in English and one in Swedish because um, we we really liked the the LP before this one um, in Swedish på svenska. Uh, we really got hooked on writing in in Swedish, so uh, we wanted to do one in Swedish and one in English. And we asked Sonny Bastards, "Are you up for it? Uh, do you want to do this? Release this?" Uh, and they were. Yeah! Let's do it. So they are really a great, great label. Great very, label. very supportive. Yeah. Chris, Christian has always been very supportive of what we do. So, and the quality of the of the releases are are so they are so nice and uh, the, everything about Sunny Bastards is is great. Right, great label, a lot of great releases. Yeah. But what you guys are yeah. doing is great, so it makes sense that you would end up on a great label like Sunny Bastards Records. Yeah, oh, thank you, thank you. You're welcome, big fan. And so to go back from the start, the majority of your early releases until Pasvenska were all in English, correct? No, we had one song on uh, the Guns of Gothenburg album. We had one song in Swedish. That's right. The last one. Yeah, the, la- the last or the next to to the last was a, a Swedish song called Passade. So that was the first time we we did a, a small experiment. If people liked it, and and they did, and then we got so a that's full why. length, and then a half of a, a double LP in Swedish. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So experiment went well. Yes, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, first, I'm going to say I appreciate all. Bands anywhere that do stuff in English, obviously, I, for me personally, uh, I can understand a little better, but I have a greater appreciation for the ones that are doing what you're doing where it's a mixture of both because I love to hear the music in other people's native tongue. Uh, I think a lot of great Swedish music sounds great in Swedish. A lot of great German music sounds great in German, French and French and so forth. And so uh, I like the mixture. I think Lion's Law was kind of in a similar boat to what you guys are in. The majority of their early stuff was English, but now they've been putting out a few more songs uh, in French. Yeah, and French is a very great language in singing because it sounds very aggressive. Yes. I think uh, the French language is very aggressive, just like J- Japanese. Japanese is very aggressive. When you talk, oh, <laughs> but in, I don't know, I, I never, I never, I never heard some Japanese punk rock, but uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Takeshi Kitano, a great actor, and uh, he sounds like the devil when he, uh, when he talks. So uh, Japanese language. Isn't uh, French the the language of love? Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, aggressive love. Or <laughs> aggressive love, indeed. Yes. It, uh, you, get the, you get the best of both both words. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Well, you guys have been a busy band. I mean, in ten years, you have several full lengths, several EPs, some splits. Uh, I really like what you guys have done with Peter and the Test Two Babies and Evil Conduct. Those. 
uh, seven inches. They're not specifically a split, but the concept that you guys had. Yeah, we know uh, we played with even conduct maybe 10 times. And, and uh, some years ago, they broke up the band, as you heard. And uh, we invited Han to play with us when we played Rebellion. So we played Rebellion and invited Han to do, to do Home Sweet Home. And he thought it was just, he was so happy about that one. And when we meet Han some, a year later at Rebellion Amsterdam, me and Gabriel took a beer with Han, and uh, he he told us that he brought the band brought the band back just because we invited him. So we invited him in Rebellion. That was his ah, I must start the band again. So maybe it's it's Saints. <laughs> we like to think so that uh, the Saints uh, are the reason that uh, <laughs> that Evil Conduct is uh, back together. Sounds good. Yeah, um, sounds good. Yeah, sounds, sounds good to us. <laughs> yeah, but we know we known uh, Han for lots of years, and he he's been very supportive of of Sid Saints as well. So such a nice uh, nice guy, really. Yeah. So, so, so it, it was great to have him on uh, this collaboration. Uh, uh, and and pay pay respect to the band Evil Conduct on the radio. Yeah, and we we just play pay them respect in our way, and they they seem to like that. Yeah, uh, we we and the same with Peter Bywaters from Peter and Test You Babies because we have played Rebellion Festival in Blackpool maybe five or six times, and Peter is the sound engineer on the stage where we're playing. We became friends. We became so, friends uh, with him as well. So we asked him, would you like to do a split EP with us? Uh, or not a split EP, but do you want to do a record some songs with us? So he actually, he came to Sweden and recorded the songs in Gothenburg with us. That's cool. That is cool. Because you guys are the level of band, the body of work that you've put out, and the quality of work that you guys put out, it's probably really easy to make a lot of friends. I mean, you've played Rebellion five times. Uh, I'm sure you guys, anybody that tours uh, and comes through Gothenburg, you're probably playing with them. And so developing yeah. those kind of relationships. And then for yourselves as a band, besides Rebellion, how often do you get outside of Sweden to to play shows? Actually, we're playing outside of Sweden more than playing Sweden. Awesome. So Sweden is not Sweden is not the main country for us. It, 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 actually, it's Germany we're playing the most. We we're going to Germany in four four weeks playing with Evil Conduct and uh, yeah, and a band called Fatal Blow from I think Scotland or something, uh, or, or, and uh, in Indonesian band called The Boys. We're playing with them in Hamburg, so we're doing a, a small tour of Germany. So uh, actually, we're going to get some of the EPs with us, so Han can sign it for us as well. Yeah, but we we haven't been to US yet because of you know it's it's uh, it's hard for a band to get uh, get over overseas. Uh, really love to to be playing in uh, in US, but. We, we haven't done uh, yet, but we... Someday, someday. Yeah, it's on our bucket list. So uh, we, have to, we have to do that someday. We have to wait for the right promoter. We, we talked yeah. about... We talked somebody in Utah to... Yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> Invite us. With us yeah. you, you are officially invited, and I've got a place for you to stay when you come through Utah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing 10 shows in Utah. Yes. <laughs> 
No, we, we actually talked about when a long time ago uh, doing some shows in uh, the United States, but I think it w- the cost then would become very expensive for us to do when we just start starting as well. So no one knowing us, knowing our name. But now I think I see that the third country listening to Saints most are United States. I think uh, New York and Los Angeles are very high on uh, on a Spotify uh, account. When you when you, you can see actually on Spotify. From which uh, country people listening from? Right. Los Angeles and United States are number three, I believe. Okay. So it's Germany, Sweden, and United States. That I'm not surprised. There's a lot of great festivals uh, that you can come out to. Good ones. Uh, Crash Festival is out here in the West. Pirates Press every five years, and so they are. Uh, yeah, Punk Rock Bowling is also uh, yes. uh, great. Uh, is that the one in Las Vegas? Yeah, Las Vegas. Yeah. Always wanted to go there. Go there. You should come. Uh, I don't know how you get on the yeah. list, but they have the club shows, and uh, I think yeah. that they're always. Happy to get more bands coming from Europe, Australia, Asia, wherever they can get bands outside of the U.S., Canada, South America. They're always happy to include more because I think that's a, a bigger draw. Yeah, I hope so. So actually, we, we played Moscow. So uh, if we play, if we, if we pr- played Russia, it's yeah. The, the only problem with the U.S. <laughs> is uh, that. Uh, uh, you have so many great bands, so uh, do you really need another one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, so, um, no, I mean, Moscow, uh, do they have so many good bands? Nah, nah, Moscow is a shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it comes from the fan perspective and everybody, the, anybody who's in a band and anybody who isn't, uh, you have the fan perspective, and the fan perspective is... Uh, the last show I went and saw, I went and saw The Bouncing Souls. Well, I've seen The Bouncing Souls four or five times. That was like the fifth time I've seen Bouncing Souls. But when if City Saints was on the bill, it would be the first time I get to see City Saints. So from that fan perspective, it's like, hey, it's the first time I get to see them. And it's much easier for me being here to see you in the United States. Yeah. Actually, we, we we had some fans in Russia when we played there. Uh, yeah. Nice people, but when we uh, landed in, in at Moscow airport, the police shut down the, the, the they mm. shut they shut down the venue because every punk band and oi band is Nazis. They think in gotcha. their head. So uh, so we we played a reggae club at two o'clock in the morning. In the morning, so uh, maybe twenty people there. We couldn't go out on Facebook and tell. Yeah, we couldn't promote it. Uh, we couldn't promote it at all. So that was really <laughs> strange. And everyone had, had guns, and uh, it oh, it was a, a funny experience. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure in the moment it's kind of a strange experience. But after the fact, when everything's all said and done, it's probably a fun story to tell. Yeah. 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 We're here to tell it uh, the story to you, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate so it's, that. It's uh, working out well. Yeah, but actually, when we're playing now, uh, when we did our tenth anniversary show here in Gothenburg, we got people coming down from London to see us. We have people coming from Germany when we're playing in Sweden. So that's really nice to see people traveling so long, right? So far, so far to see us, and that's really. Uh, it feels great. It's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing, yeah. 
And people travel all over to see that punk rock bowling. I see uh, a lot of friends and bands and people that I've uh, yeah. met on the show that come from back east to go to Las Vegas. But like you said, Los Angeles is uh, up there as far as listening to City Saints, and it's only a four-hour drive yeah. to Las Vegas from Los Angeles. Yeah. So I'm sure you probably get a lot of people coming in for that. Yeah, at every punk rock bowling, you get... 10 great bands at least. Yeah. And I think this this year we got the Rancid. Uh, I don't know what uh, what more bands uh, are announced yet, but Punk Rock Bowling is probably the one of the best punk festivals in the world, except Rebellion Festival in Blackpool, because right. that's, that's a great festival. Yeah, great festival. Absolutely. I agree, and I want to get there. Uh, I think in 2024... I will be there. I don't know that I will this year, but in 2024, I think will be my first time. So hopefully you guys are playing in 2024. We will. We will because not this year because of Brexit and shit like that. But we want to go back to uh, Rebellion because when we play the first time at Rebellion, we played uh, that arena we played. It's called the arena. And uh, we sold out all our merchandise in 10 minutes and the, the venue was really packed, really packed. So uh, always when we play uh, Rebellion, it's a packed venue. So it's great to playing in, in Blackpool. And the punk fans are so uh, enthusiastic about uh, the shows and the merch and the, the bands. And uh, I really love to be in, in that uh, kind of sphere or, or, or what you call yeah. it uh, in uh, Blackpool. Because everyone is so so kind and so uh, gentle. And uh, it's, it's just a great weekend. Yeah. It's it's a great uh, festival and uh, a lot of good bands. So so if you go, if you go there um, a lot of years, you see Yuki Subs uh, one year and you see Coxbury uh, the next one. And the, fir the first time we played Rebellion, I think we played as the on the arena stage as the second band at one one o'clock. Yeah, I think one one o'clock in the evening. So we were we were really worrying if will the people show up. But they did at Rebellion. There are there are people at every show, so uh, that's that's great. And they 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 pick the they pick the act. You know, uh, they they don't uh, just come uh, at nine p.m. or ten. Uh, now the headlines are uh, they are um, picking every act. You know, citizens. Uh, yeah. yeah, I want to see them yeah. one o'clock. And uh, this band, I want to see them. And that's that's. Uh, so cool about the punk yeah. rock uh, audience because right. they they really they are picky and they really choose the acts they want to see they, they just they just don't roll in uh, yeah. at uh, 10 p.m to see which band are playing right they they know they know what they want to see but Absolutely. i remember one year when me, me and gabriel at, at, at the rebellion we were watching uh, yellow biafra playing yellow biafra from uh, dead kennedy's right and uh he played the same time as uh, Stiff Little Fingers. And we were going to see Stiff Little Fingers. No, it was the Buscocks. Yeah. So we talked about, uh, we see maybe two, three songs with the uh, Yellow Biafra, and then we go and see the Buscocks. But Yellow Biafra was so goddamn good. So He was on fire. <laughs> he was yeah. really on fire. So we didn't, we didn't see Buscocks. And then... Uh, we were hypnotized. Yeah. yeah. He was more yellow. <laughs> so, uh, he, was he was really great that evening. So uh, sometimes if you plan to see two bands and, and one band is so good, maybe you 
Um, maybe next time. Maybe uh, next the, time. The Buscocks, yeah. We oh. talked about the show you guys have coming up in Germany. So what do you guys have in store? Because we need to talk about punk and roll here in a minute. And you have a brand new double LP. I'm sure you want to get out and play those tracks. As you stated at the top of the interview, uh, you know, you had to work really hard to get all that stuff put together so you can get it put out. So I'm sure you want to get out and play those tracks. Gal, I don't even know, even doing a headlining spot yourself to play everything on that double LP is probably longer than you would normally play anyway, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, too long for us, uh, right. for us, I think. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we have to pick the best uh, live songs, uh, mostly if, if we're playing uh, in England or, or, or Germany, we, we, might, we might have some more uh, English stuff uh, from the English uh, LP. And uh, we, we just do a couple of them in Swedish. And that's, let's see which, which songs we pick. Yeah, and we released five albums and uh, we always have to play songs like Slippery Joe, Kicking Ass for the Working Class and Punk Rock and Oil. So we have maybe five or six songs we always have to play. So uh, our Enter Sandman. Yeah. <laughs> 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 on that note, yeah. on that note, it's probably something you know you can ask any band because bands will put out that great couple handful, and the longer you're around, the more that uh, group of songs grows. Right? Those yeah. those standards, those ones that the fans are going to be disappointed if you don't play at the show. They're going to come up and say, I can't believe you didn't play that song. You know, oh, those. Yeah. We know that feeling on those faces. <laughs> right. <laughs> Running with tears. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why didn't you play that song? <laughs> oh, still out. <laughs> and Next time. The bigger yeah. your list yeah. gets, the harder it's going to be to include all those and then also get to playing new songs. And again, we just said, Punk and Roll has so many songs. I forgot how many but you got to be somewhere up around that 25 songs range. 24, 24, yeah. Right. And, and so there's no way you're going to get to play all those, but I'm sure you have favorites and you want to include. But as a band, what is it like to, you know, you're, you're a band for 10 years going into year 11. Album's been out, your first album, 10 years, and you're still playing songs from there. And just as you stated, there's songs that we have to play. Right? How do you feel yeah. about some of those? I'm sure it's maybe as I worded earlier, a double-edged sword. One, it's like, yes, we have these fantastic songs that resonate with people and they want to hear those, so we want to play them. But you're the ones that are always playing them. So does it ever get to be like, do we have to play that one again? Can we take a break and play a new one that we haven't played quite so many times? What are your feelings with well, some it, of those songs that have been around for a long time? Well, if, if, if I go to a concert and see, uh, like ACDC, for instance, and they, uh, they don't play that special song, I, uh, I get uh, disappointed, you know? Right. So I, I know the feeling of uh, expecting some, uh, some numbers uh, to be on the list, you know? Uh, I'm really all for uh, playing their classics or uh, whatever. So I, I don't have a problem with playing, uh, you know, our uh, oldest... Uh, songs and actually i think they're still great songs right and if it's a if it's a great song it's fun to play so uh, yeah. i think kicking off for the working class is still one of the best songs to play live because when we played in berlin a couple of, uh, in uh, november the audience goes wild when we play kicking yeah. ass or rude boy or punk rock yeah. and roll 
we have to play these songs. And when you see the audience and they all starting start to dance and sing along, that's all worth it. Yeah. But we we have we have been around for like eleven years. I imagine like Stones <laughs> playing Satisfaction, you know, <laughs> four years later. Like, 40, 140. 140 million years later. <laughs> Maybe then you get bored with the songs. But right. uh, they are pretty fresh to, to um, some people. So um, and, and they are still fun to play for. Yes. So uh, Slippery Joe is uh, still one of my uh, favorite songs to play. We all have our favorites in the band, you know. Slippery always so uh, energetic and you know yeah. fun to play. So the, I have no pl- problem playing uh, those songs, you know. No, if it's a good song, it's fun to play. But some songs are really hard, really hard. Punk rock and all is that kind of song that's lots of words and just kind of the same groove. It, it's not hard like Toto way hard, no. like uh, you know Toto or, <laughs> yeah. or Dream Theater. It's not hard in that kind of way. It's just a bit, uh, can, can we say, boring to mo- monotone. Yeah, it's it's quite uh, the same, uh, but but it's a good song. So uh, and and we get a kick of kick of seeing people enjoying it. Yeah, so uh, that's worth worth it all. Yeah. I'm sure there's those songs, just as you said, it's that excitement that you know is going to happen that probably makes it exciting for you to always include it and then add the anticipation of playing it because, you know, if you were to show up and play in front of hundreds of people but all they did is stand there and stare at you while you play, it probably wouldn't be as great as if you had 20 or 30 people but they're going crazy when, when you're playing your songs, right? You feed off that energy. And so know that those are those type of songs. You're probably exciting to include those into the sets. And then probably to see as you play your newer songs and especially your brand new songs to see what kind of reactions you get the more you play them. Yeah, we actually we have maybe five or six new songs in the set. And uh, this far we only play them in Sweden and Germany, but... After the second show, people were starting to sing along in uh, Come Pin Me Down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because it's an immediate response because it's a really easy hook in that uh, that song. And people was, uh, after the first chorus, people was uh, starting to sing along with it. So it's really fun to see. For the first time, people are hearing the song. And start to start to sing along with it. It's really great, it's, really great. It's very important to keep this uh, balance between old songs, classics, and new songs. Because uh, maybe you know the feeling when you see uh, see a band and you see that the band is only playing new songs, and you like the because they have to because they have to as well. Yeah. I, I saw Iron Maiden this summer, and they started the set with four new songs, and they started the set with the four most boring songs as well so the most boring songs of the new album four songs and all the songs were, <laughs> yeah. and that was 40 minutes of the of the set list wow. because all songs were, were eight or ten minutes long and that's that's yeah. not good and it's just 20 people uh, <laughs> still awake <laughs> 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 Not at Iron Maiden, but <laughs> I went to have had a couple of beers and then I come back for uh, for songs yeah. here after dark. You, you don't have you don't want to have the beer songs in the in your uh, 
stage list you uh, you want to have all all songs should be no i just wait uh, one more song to get that beer yeah. like, okay that's uh, that's a sign that i have to get a beer now yeah, right. you don't the first want song. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want those points exactly so I, I think good songwriters though are doing what you're doing uh, just as you stated it happens and you see it at the show so the first time you play it and people are starting to sing along because you did a good job of writing something that people want. They, they want to be a part of the show. It's part of going to the show is wanting to be a part of it, but you did it in such a way that they do want to be a part of it, but you did it simply as well. You didn't have something so complex that people are like, well, I don't know what he's doing. I like it, but I don't know what he's doing. I can't, I can't really get into it and participate. But I think that it translates into the first hearing of a song. I, I was just talking about it a month or so ago, and I can't remember which band it was, but the very first time hearing some of the songs, I'm already singing along. It's brand new, never yeah. heard the stuff before, but as the song's going, I'm singing because they've done a great job of yeah. writing it, and it's eliciting that response. Addy, and, you know, I'm not listening to every single song hoping to sing along with it but when somebody does a good job of writing it you're just singing along with it and then you realize oh i'm singing yeah. along with it well thank you so uh, so nice to hear absolutely it's, it's very hard to do an album of 24 songs and every song is a song, sing along song it's a song <laughs> sing along song uh, sometimes we have that's that's why we did an album with lots of different songs you can hear some hard rock you can hear some you can hear some glam rock. You can hear everything on this album. Because if we've done 24 songs that sounds like Raise Your Fist or Can't Pin Me Down, it would have been very, very boring. Right. So that's why we did 24 songs that's really wide and uh, lots of different categories of music. Without sounding too... Um... Uh, the, like a split personality, we we have our uh, type of writing music, our our style of writing music. So uh, you can always hear that it's it's uh, City Saints, I think. But uh, we we try to do some uh, mix it up a bit, try something new every time we do. And um, that's what you can hear on the. Have you heard the whole album? Yeah, I listened uh, to and I listened to it twice. Thank you, but uh, that's why you can hear some. You can hear some blues rock, right? You can hear some hard rock, and you, it's never get boring when you listen to a album without losing our uh, identity. I think, yeah, because it, it's not fun to listen to a band that tries uh, too much. You know, we we let's put out a funk song, yeah, let's put out a heavy metal song, and I, I don't think it's it's that way. But but we uh, we try new uh, concepts in every song. I think yeah. keep it simple, simple, keep it simple, but. G great <laughs> yeah it, it's diverse but but you know it, it, it's you guys that are playing it uh, i like so out of all the punk music always probably my favorite but it's because of the rock and roll elements you know i don't specifically yeah. want to go back and just listen to like that 50s rock and maybe some of that early 60s rock but you hear a lot of those rock and roll elements and even some of that 70s stuff in a lot of oi music but Always also its own thing. It's not so, obviously, it's not even close to like some mere image. You just hear those similarities, and I like it. But what you guys are doing, and, and the punk and roll is, I mean, it, it's almost, you could call it a genre of its own, because you guys could obviously play with any oi bands out there. You have a similar sound, but you have your own sound where it's even a little more of that rock and roll 
to go along with the attitude, the, the ideas and so forth that, that go along with OI. And I think that's because most of the singers in OI bands sing very aggressive. They sing with the throat. Yeah. I don't sing with the throat. So we're, we're not actually an OI band. We're a rock and roll band with right. punk, yeah. punk and OI influences. So. And, it, and, it, and it's funny because when, when you were uh, like in the in the 20s, you were thinking like, uh, we want to sound like uh, The Clash or Pistols or whatever, whatever, Buscocks, whatever. Uh, but nowadays, you just play. We, we, don't, uh, we don't think about uh, how we should sound. If, if this is right for us, does this sound see the same? Does it sound? We just play. And, uh, and the stuff comes out the way it, it does. Um, and that's a relief. I think that we don't have to think about how to sound. We we just sound like we do, and of course you can you can hear uh, elements of uh, status quo or uh, or uh, ACDC or uh, you know whatever Shakari or Shakari. But yeah. we we just play and things come out as it does. So I agree. Actually, when we're playing with UK subs, we played with them a couple of years ago in uh, in England and. After the show, I sat and talked with uh, Charlie Harper, and we just talked all blues uh, harmonica players. We, talk, we talked mm-hmm. you about... You talked Rob Wood and the face. <laughs> but, uh, but it was really great to talk with a, a legend in punk rock, and we talked just blues and old rock and roll with Charlie. So uh, me and Gabriel, we are raised on, you know, Muddy Waters and, and uh, John Lee Hooker and uh, Elmore James and uh, Howlin' Wolf. And, and then it's become more with the rock and roll sound with Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis. And I think Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard were, was the first punks, you know? Jerry Lee Lewis setting fire on the piano and Little Richard... A gay black man in Macon, uh, Macon, Georgia. Yeah. You know, playing this this crazy rock and roll. I think it's that's punk. That's really punk in yeah. my in my book. And I I, I think uh, every good band is um, the early punk bands like uh, the Clash and Pistols and stuff like that. They they were they were uh, influenced by Stones and the Who and stuff like that. The uh, old rock bands. And uh, they managed to find their own way. But today, when you start a punk band and, and you think like, we want to sound just like The Clash, that, that is not a good thing, I think. Because The Clash was, had uh, blues um, influences, they had rock and roll influences, they had a lot of influences. And if you want to sound just like them, it's just watering out. You know, it's, it's not the real deal, I think. Right. So you have to have the... The, the old uh, influences, like the blue yeah. stuff yeah. and the, the, the Elvis stuff, all that uh, early, early stuff, you know. Right. You, you, can, you can't do the shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do- and and that's, why, that's why when, when Sid Saints are playing, you can see lots of skinheads in the audience, lots of punks. But at the same time, you can see 40% of the audience is girls dan- dancing when they see us. So... I think I don't just want to have guys uh, brawling in the audience. I, I want girls as well. So that's because we have some uh, great sing-alongs and uh, sometimes uh, glam rock influences as well as uh, Slade and Sweet and uh, T-Rex and yeah. 
good energy and good music and good choruses and yeah. you should feel good about uh, going to a concert right. that, that's how I, every concert I've, I've been to and and like I felt good you know like good energy and and that's what we want that's what we want to bring to audience it's yeah. a good energy and good uh, vibe before i forget to ask so i want to make sure we get to it there's two things and then we can continue first the artwork for punk and roll uh it looks i like it it's it stands out the singles that you were releasing coming up to it obviously it looks like the same artist and it looks like that they tie in together but can you tell us about the the art or who did it and what kind of inspired, I like the tie-in is what I'm getting at, I guess, the, the, the singles leading up to it, how you can tell it all kind of fits together with uh, punk and roll. As we talked about, uh, a girl called Malvina did uh, the, the cover, Malvina Sidleka. Uh, she has an own homepage called uh, Old School Design. I think she have done some uh, artwork for Boos and Glory and lots of punk and oil bands. So Malvina Sidleka is her name. And she also did uh, the singles right. leading up to the album. Well, uh, thanks to Malvina. Malvina, yeah, from Old School Design, because she did a tremendous job with that one. From the beginning, I think she was actually wanted to do maybe a, a, a guy with a baseball bat on the cover. But I, I, I told her, we want a girl. We want a girl with a mohawk looking really tough and mean. And uh, that was what she did. Yeah, She did a great job. Concept's great. It turned out great. I really liked the album. Uh, I like the, the one of the great things I think about vinyl is the, especially on a full length, you get the artwork that goes with it, the artwork that kind of is part of the story of the songs and you get it in such a great large format. I mean, even a seven inch is so much better than CDs and so many people nowadays doing digital. It's what they, you know, a thumbnail because yeah. it's so small and then you don't ever see it because it's on a computer or on some device and it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. You don't really get to enjoy the artwork that goes along with the story that is the, the album. It's, it's very hard to be old school in a modern world. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, I, was I just know the reading. feelings. I, I'm glad vinyl's coming back. I don't think it really ever died out. People just don't acknowledge the punk scene the way that uh, it's kept vinyl going. You know, vinyl didn't completely stop ever. It might have not been popular mainstream, and so... All the bands that do pop music, whatever style of music that happens to be at the time, through huge labels, they might not have seen the value in trying to put out stuff on vinyl until recently. But the, the punk scene has continued to keep that uh, great thing about vinyl alive. We are very fortunate to be playing in a, in a punk rock uh, uh, genre because uh, people in this... Uh, uh, categories they buy LPs, you know. They uh, they they like the old uh, school stuff, and uh, and we released the album in four or three or four different colors, and the people buy all colors. Yeah, but that's because our records are cheap as well, because our double album cost as much as one album with a with another band. So maybe twenty five euros for for this. Yeah. Double LP. You're going broke, but <laughs> who cares? Who cares? <laughs> You're right, though. Uh, yeah. If it was a double LP, it would be probably 
nearly double that price if it was somebody else, some big band being sold at some big store or something like that. Yeah. Did, didn't you, uh, didn't you, I saw at the record shop yesterday, I saw a new Kiss record. It costed uh, maybe around 400 euros, a box set with the Creatures of the Night or something. 400 euros. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. That's the worst album ever. <laughs> And they try to get people paid as much as crazy. It's really yeah. crazy. And the new Iron Maiden album, I think it's called, it cost, uh, it cost uh, 70 euros or something. So our album of 25 euros is really... Yeah. Uh, that's really insane. <laughs> I mean, to have the, those kind of prices yeah, because, it's really... because people are buying it. I mean, uh, Kiss fans are—they uh, are enthusiastic about the band, so they will pay the the price. But uh, it's not 400 euros. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, there's some of them. Yeah, but... Some of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. All right. So on this episode, we're playing two tracks. Everywhere we go and bang bang. Why don't you guys tell me a little bit about those two specific tracks? I mean, we'd be here all day if we were going to talk about all 24 tracks. So let's narrow it down to the two that we're playing <laughs> on this episode. And then uh, when we meet again, we can talk a little more in depth about some of the other tracks. First song, Everywhere We Go, is uh, it's pretty much a love song to every fan. That we have uh, every fan and every promoter, every uh, booking agent, e everyone we met on the road when we have been playing in uh, Germany, England or uh, Austria and so on. Uh, so it's pretty much a love song to everyone that we met on the road and that have uh, supported us. And uh, we feel we felt that we, like we wanted to uh, give them a song. So it's uh, everywhere we go. Uh, you are there uh, supporting us. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a song to our fans. Yeah. Yeah. I have to imagine that one will probably make it at least at some of your live shows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we actually, we tried it uh, acoustic and, uh, it, in Hamburg a couple, of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it sounded really good, good when we did it acoustic. So uh, maybe we tried electric as well. Can't be worse. <laughs> Can't be worse. Yeah. Oh, uh, and the other song, Bang Bang, is um, it's just about being on the stage and uh, feeling that uh, that uh, energetic vibe. You know, we are like guns on stage. We are ready to go at every uh, second on the stage. And uh, it's just uh, about the feeling, being like Bang Bang, like guns. Uh, we're locked and ready now. Uh, that that's how we feel every time we go on stage. So we, it's just about that feeling being on stage. Um, it, it's a fast rock and roll song, and uh, maybe we have some nod to uh, the album before uh, Guns of Gothenburg as well, with Bang Bang like yeah. Guns Guns of Gothenburg. Yeah. So we try that one. It, it's a really great song, and 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 sometimes I wanted this song to open the album as well because it's a really great song but Raise Your Fist is a great song as well so we had a real problem with the opening songs on this yeah. album because we only have four, four shots of because two LPs and four sides so we have to really choose carefully what yeah. songs to open albums and uh, but Bang Bang was the close, closing song on this on the English side 
a really great one. It is a great one. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you guys were able to take the time. Uh, I think we will wrap up here. Me being a big fan of listening to you guys for as long as I have and being able to talk to you guys about all the great stuff that you're doing, uh, I really enjoy it. So uh, we'll pick up uh, for a part two for Punk and Roll for City Saints, and we'll do that on the next time we get together, probably in like two episodes. But uh, we will do that, and we'll play some more from the double LP. And since it's a double LP, why not do a double interview? So let's get into some more music. Everywhere we go, we're making new friends, you know. No matter where we are, you're always there.
That's the one for the fans. Yep, great band, great songs, great people. Right? Fantastic. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Gabriel and Stefan again for joining, and they'll be joining again for part two in two weeks. Everything's about two. It's a double LP. Two <laughs> LPs combined. Two weeks apart. Two weeks apart. <laughs> two interviews. Same two guys. Dogs and cats living together. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty awesome. Uh, everywhere we go, go check out Punk and Roll. We're going to check out a little more Punk and Roll in two weeks. Eric, we got to wrap the show. You got a track to wrap up the show. Talk yeah. about it. Yeah, and the artist is also two. Two. Pac, that is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going back to my uh, hip-hop phase. Well, I mean, I've... Every once in a while, I just do a deep dive into hip-hop and just submerge myself with uh, all my favorite rappers and the songs that they created. And uh, this week's model is Tupac. And yeah, the song is uh, one of the leading singles from his first album, Tupacalypse Now, which I still think is a flawless record in its own right. And Tupac was a near-flawless artist in his own right. And yeah, Tupac, you know... Tupac Shakur from God, June 16th, 1971 up to uh, September 13th, 1996. We all know Tupac got capped in Las Vegas. And no one knows. No one knows who. No one even exactly knows why. But yeah, he was not, not exactly the instigator of the whole East Coast, West Coast thing. But when Pac got capped and Biggie almost a year later, that ended the whole uh, East versus West and it sucks it ended that way. There is rumors that uh, Suge Knight had a big hand in that, and I would not be surprised because throughout uh, Tupac's career, Suge Knight was uh, just uh, egging Tupac on after because uh, Pac was uh, had an attempted uh, hit put out on him, and he was shot at one of uh, Biggie's uh, Biggie's get-togethers, and they thought that it was uh, that Biggie had a hand in doing that, but he's like, no, I didn't, you know? So now it just sort of started this whole fire between them. And Suge was always just telling, uh, telling Tupac and just sort of like building him up because he is the protege of Dr. Dre. He's like, he's going to be the next big thing, you know? Iggy, Biggie is fucking yesterday's news. <laughs> but, yeah, there, that, there's a whole thing behind it. There's a whole mythos behind it. It's... It's become that, it's been that huge. But yeah, we're not going to look on that. We're going to look on the things that Tupac created while he was still alive. And his first album, Tupacalypse Now, came out in, uh, on the 12th of November in 1991. Full of sh social commentary regarding racism, poverty, police brutality, black-on-black -black crime, and teen pregnancy. The latter of which is what this song is about. Brenda's got a baby. Like I said, it was one of the first singles released prior to the album's release, and it also features uh, R&B singer Dave Hollister, and he's singing backing vocals with, uh, uh, I believe it's called Renice, Renice Levias. Uh, the narrative is what matters. It depicts a girl named Brenda who gives birth at 12 years old. And of course, living in the ghetto, she has very limited options given her surrounding and family situation to care for this child. And so the character, Brenda, functions as the sort of vessel for Tupac's lyrical commentary regarding the hardships impoverished single mothers have to face, including the absence of her father, the lack of support from her family and friends, and the government. They don't exactly uh, give a lot of handouts to these people. So, and it's, uh, it's got a bit of a, it takes a really dark turn. Like, this is already a very dark song, but it gets worse. Like, on the, on the scale of... Uh, Oh, man. I can't remember the rapper's name. 
I'll get back to I'll get back to that later, but it's it's the song Dance with the Devil. There is a twist in there that just makes this already dark song even worse. <laughs> I will not spoil it for any one of you. Immortal Technique, that's the guy's name. Immortal Technique. His famous seminal song Dance with the Devil because of the twist in the very end. I won't spoil it for you guys and I'm not going to spoil for uh, I'm not going to spoil what is happening here. But I will say it's based on a true story. I will tell you uh, what the story was after this song. But for now, let's listen to Brenda's Got a Baby. Cause I bet Brenda doesn't even know Just cause you're in the ghetto doesn't mean you can't grow But oh, that's a vote, my own revelation Do whatever it takes to resist the temptation Brenda got herself a boyfriend Her boyfriend was a cousin, now let's watch the joy And she tried to hide her pregnancy From a family who really didn't care to see Or give a damn if she Went out and had a church of kids As long as when the check came they got first dips now Brenda's belly's getting bigger But no one seems to notice any change in her vigor She's 12 years old and she's having a baby In love with the molester who's sexing her crazy And yet and also thinks that he'll be with her forever And dreams of a world with the two of them are together Whatever, he left there and she had the baby solo She had it on the bathroom floor and didn't know so She didn't know what to throw away and what to keep She wrapped the baby up and threw him in a trash heap I guess she thought she'd get away with hear the cross she didn't realize how much the little baby had her eyes now the baby's in a trashy balling mama can't help her but it hurts to hear her calling brenda wants to run away mama say you're making me lose pay and social workers here every day now brenda's gotta make her own way can't go to a family they won't let her stay no money no babysitter she couldn't keep a job she tried to sell crack but end up getting robbed so now what's next it ain't nothing left to sell so she sees sex as a way of leaving hell it's paying the rent so she really can't complain prostitute fam swing and brenda's her name she's got a baby carries out like that for about another uh, 40 seconds or so um but yeah like i said this was uh, based on a true story and if you were uh, following the narrative 
then yeah, you understand how horrific it is. If you weren't following, here's the rundown. Uh, Tupac wrote this song after reading an article in the newspaper about a 12-year-old girl who became pregnant after being molested by her cousin. And when she had it, she threw it into a trash compactor. Like I said, it just keeps getting worse. Right. But that's what Pac was uh, bringing. It was bringing this, uh, bringing this event to the table and showing everybody, like, this is the reality for impoverished peoples. When they face real life problems like this, it can mean it could mean their life. Right. This is some shit that's got to change, man. So yeah, that's it's a heavy song, man. Sure is. <laughs> it's fucking so heavy. Way to bring us down, Eric. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tendency to do that. <laughs> I'm just attracted to the uh, to a lot of uh, negative realities. Because it's uh, it's realistic, but a lot of happiness is realistic too. You know, just uh, I was actually talking about this with my parents today about the show. Uh, not today, but a few days ago about the show Shameless. Uh, have you ever seen the show Shameless? I watched the first season of the UK version, and I watched all of the version that was on Showtime. Okay, so you know how uh, that narrative goes. It's a family, this impoverished family with a bunch of kids, and they have so much fucked up shit happen to them. Right. And I'm like, well, that's just the stuff that we see. And I made the joke saying, well, they live relatively normal lives in the off season. <laughs> in between seasons, they actually live normal lives. We just see the parts where everything goes up in flames. Right. Because, you know, got to keep the viewers tuning in. So, so that's, a, that's what I say. It's just like you're have the ability to read in between the lines. You have black and white, and there's the little gray areas in between that a lot of people prefer. Right. So, so yeah, Tupac, what, fucking what else can I say that hasn't been said before? The man was a master class in the, in the hip-hop game at a time where it was like, oh, man, it was, it was harsh. That's when gangster rap was ruling the scene, and people were like, uh, you know, criminalizing them and just saying that they were they were nothing but a bunch of dropouts they never amount to anything but Tupac had some very intellectual commentary coming through in all of his songs he understood how a lot of shit worked and he was more than just a just a gangster just egging on the fucking uh, battle between the the coasts he actually had a lot going on and it's a uh, God damn, it's just tragic what happened to him and Biggie, as well as countless others whose lives were taken in those wars. Right. <laughs> those wars and still continue to be uh, taken today, just in different areas. Yeah, so there's that. Focus on the positive side when that shit's happening. <laughs> just, I mean, to, uh, yeah, to quote Minor Threat, make do with what you have, take what you can get. There you go. All right, we're wrapping up the show. We're, we're there. So find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Music, Amazon Music, Player FM, Podvine, and SLCPunkCast.com. You can find the bands on Instagram, Instagram at <laughs> AlphaSubPunk, at FinalCall.SFV, at Claymore underscore Oi, at Conflict underscore Resolution, at GetToThePointHC, at City underscore Saints. The show's at SLCPunkCast. Eric. Where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at scaryuncle underscore Eric, E-R-I-C underscore S-L-C. And like I said, I don't really post much on there, but I did make a post that I, I post on Instagram now. 
about the punk cast. I promote it on there as well. And also, I'm, also you can see my uh, little creation that I did in reference to the Ramones. <laughs> Check it out on there. It's pretty damn funny. And we're turning them into buttons. Uh, also on Instagram is my bands. Are my bands. <laughs> Anonymous and Apathetics. Found at Anonymous underscore band official and the Apathetics.slc, respectively. On Facebook, you can find them at Anonymous SLC and the Apathetics. And both on Bandcamp, Anonymous SLC and the Apathetics.bandcamp.com. Uh, find my other podcast, Lead Melodies, on Instagram at Lead Melodies underscore podcast. On Facebook at lead.melodies.podcast.slc. Stream the episodes on anchor.fm and also Spotify. And follow the SLC hardcore page. That is going to be <laughs> being <laughs> pasted with flyers in the next uh, couple of weeks. <laughs> There's going to be a lot happening. But yeah, for now, you can just see the one about the show tonight. <laughs> Awesome. Well, don't forget about Liberty or Death Records. Uh, go over to libertyordeathrecords2.bandcamp.com for that compilation that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, they're at Liberty or Death Records over on Facebook and to Instagram at Liberty underscore or underscore death underscore records. You can go follow them there. Check out more. You can follow the bands that we played on the show on Facebook at Alpha Sub Band. Uh, Claymore at Conflict Resolution AZHC at Minor Threat at City Saints GBG the shows at SLC Punkcast thank you everybody for tuning in for episode 300 thank you to the guys in City Saints part 2 is on its way and we'll see you on the next one the fucking outro